blasphemy. This is madness. Stop the insanity. You're absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. I'm trying to stay positive, Philly. I'm trying my damnedest not to go back to negative Rob. I'm doing everything that I can to not go back negative. But this damn city has this rare innate ability to make you feel negative and, and to bring you back to this level of, of thought and, and despair every time you think something's good. Every time you think something's good. I just, it, it, it's so hard. It, it truly is a disease to be a fan of Philadelphia teams. And we are going to talk about this disease for the next hour, hour and a half. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of The Madness. I am your Minister of Madness, Rob Lange. So glad you're, you're tuning into the podcast once again. You know, we left each other last week and I said the Eagles are going to be fine not I didn't say that they were going to win a Super Bowl I I said that they still could get to the Super Bowl but they were going to be fine because damn it this defense is going to play with an edge Teron Davenport said they love a challenge they love when when all the odds are stacked against them and they're going to come out and they're going to do what they're supposed to do Jesus Christ how how wrong were we how incredibly wrong were we? That was one of the more pathetic, pathetic performances I have ever seen from a team that was supposed to take it to the next level. Instead of taking a step up, they took three steps back last week. And I'm not going to fake positivity. I'm not going to be one of these people who are making excuses for what took place. Oh, they played down to the Giants. Oh, it was the third game on a road trip. Oh, it was this or that. If they don't get this penalty called, it doesn't look as bad. My ass, it doesn't look as bad. I mean, this th- th- what you saw on that field at MetLife Stadium from that defense was an absolute abomination from beginning to end except for one play. One play. And at a time where they have to know that for this team to reach the heights it still wants to reach, they need to be better than they've been. But you let that friggin' team score 29 points? You let that friggin' team score touchdowns on their first three drives? Come on, man. What the hell was that? It's, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, and as a fan base, we shouldn't be making excuses. We should be holding their feet to the fire after that performance. We should be making it damn well known that they need to come out on Monday night and not just win a game against a team who's traveling from the West Coast on Christmas Day who has nothing to play for. Not just win a game, but demoralize them. This defense should make Mr. Carr back there Fear for his life from the word go. 
And if they don't, we got problems. We got problems. You want to play with a chip on your shoulder? You want to play when everybody's doubting you? Well, here you are. Here's your here's your opportunity. And it's not just the players. It's the coaching staff on the defense. You know, guys that we've praised all year, Jim Schwartz, Corey Unlin. That secondary was as bad as we had feared in August. And it wasn't all because of them. It's because you haven't learned at what the weakness is to your playing eight, nine yards off of a guy. And maybe you have, and you just, maybe you fear it. Maybe you fear that these guys can't play press coverage. But Eli Manning picked the Eagles apart. Picked them apart. They have almost 500 yards of total offense. That can't happen. That is a problem. I'm I'm pulling up the stats as I'm talking to you here because I, I really, I mean, they were outscored. Of course, I pulled up the wrong game because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but I, listen, I, I don't want to be negative the whole day, and that's why I'm hoping uh, the friend of our friend uh, Lee Nelson is able to join us in a little bit. Uh, schedules are a little tight around the holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody, by the way. Let's, let's break the negativity for a minute. Happy holidays to everyone out there listening as, as the Christmas season is right around the corner. And um, hopefully we have a very good Christmas here in Philadelphia. But, I, you know, I look, first of all, the breakdown of scores, you're, you're – I just – you're down 20-7, to 21-7 in that game. Eli Manning passes for 434 yards. Sterling Shepard looks like freaking Jerry Rice. 11 catches, 139 yards. It's unacceptable. That team was averaging 15 points a game. That team was dead in the water. Dallas went in there last week and beat them 30-10 to 10 without Zeke Elliott, who, by the way, is back. I can't find positives in that. And this team was supposed to be beyond excuses on the defensive end. Nothing was supposed to phase them. You even look, listen, you look at the two games on the West Coast, you look at the Seattle game, and you say Russell Wilson played one of the best games of his career. And the Eagles still had a chance to win. Okay. Not a great chance, but a chance. They go out to L.A. where the Rams have been unbelievable, and guess what that Rams offense did last week, right? I mean, 42 points against Seattle. And they gave up a lot of points, but some of them were short fields. One was a pump block return for a touchdown. But they made big plays when it mattered. Late in the game, last two drives, three and out, and then a strip sack. I didn't want to be back here. I didn't want to be back to this. I hate this. I hate being this guy. All my friends, oh, look, you're back to negative. Well, no. Yeah, I'm back to negative, damn it. If you're not, you're naive to what the hell just happened on the field. Because they never made the big play outside of the Darby pick. They never made the play where... 
you were like, okay, everything's right. Everything in the world is okay again. And every time it seemed like we were getting back to that point, we didn't. I hate it. I should not have said we there. That's a violation. They didn't. You have the lead. You have the Giants at their own 20, 25-yard line that last drive. You let them go right the hell down the field, man. I mean, they, they, they went right down the field. And they were, oh, but what about? Listen to me. I don't care that they didn't score. Yeah, you wanted to win, and you take it any way you can get it, I guess. That team should not have gone right down that damn field and lost the game on what could have been considered a questionable non-call. And it was as questionable as all hell, I'll tell you that right now. You're not going to get that call late in games. I understand that. I get that. But that's just unacceptable. The game was unacceptable. I thought Doug was a little off, which that makes more sense. He's a new quarterback now, and even though he says, oh, nothing's going to change, things do change. You know, it's just it's human nature. Things do change. Um, and I, I just want to spend a little bit more time on this game and then move back to this defense and, and what needs to happen here. But, you know, you look at the game. Nick Foles did fine. Now, there's people out there saying he played great. No, he had two short fields that he did what he needed to do. Had a couple good drives, but he left things out there. He left plays out there. He did. He did. He did. Don't tell me he didn't. He did. I still... Just don't understand why it's not more the Ajayi show. And I, I, they've talked about it. Guys, I've talked to you, talked about it. But it, this is the guy. This is the guy you got to run with now. Not Listen, and, and your fourth and one call was so bad. Regardless if it's LeGarrette Blunt or not. So there is, you know, the offense did what they need to do. And hell, hey, they scored over 30 points. Okay, if the offense is scoring 30 points, they're going to win. They should win, and it shouldn't be close because his defense should do what the hell it was paid to do. But let's let's talk about the defense and where they need to go. They need first and foremost to stop this eight this is eight yards off the guy, because what teams are now going to do, especially the playoff teams, is they're going to see what Oakland did, or excuse me, what the Giants did. And I know Doug said this week, wow, it's tough to change who you are. You know, at this point, that's just who the Giants are. All good and well, but in the playoffs, teams change who they are to give themselves the best chance to win the game. That may not be what Drew Brees likes to do, but he'll do it. And guess what? They got guys to do it. You think they're not going to line Kamara up if you play the Saints in the playoffs? You think they're not going to line Kamara up on the outside and just have him run quick slants on you all day? I mean, you better damn well know that you got to make adjustments. This whole idea is, ah, well, people are who they are. Fair enough. But good teams make adjustments. You know, the Vikings, that, that's kind of what they do, isn't it? I mean, I know that they go deep sometimes. But they get guys that, that catch the ball and get yards after catch. It was very frightening to watch the big plays that this team gave up. But... Big plays on short catches and runs or 
because they're eight yards off, now they're biting hard on that fake and getting beat on little fade patterns. I can't watch it. It, it that, that scares the hell out of me. Listen, I, I know Jim Schwartz has had a hell of a year, and I know the defense has had a hell of a year up until now. I get it. I understand it. I'm not, not going to sit here and say that I'm not, that I don't. But that does not mean – same thing like I've said about Doug Peterson this year. He's had a hell of a year. He's probably a Coach of the Year candidate. But when they deserve criticism, you give it. Jim Schwartz deserves criticism for that game plan. And bump coverage doesn't mean you just stand there and let them run around you. You have to hit them. You got to give them a jolt at the line. You got to throw them that one second off of their route. It changes everything. If Eli has to go through progressions rather than being able to hit his first receiver, the pressure's going to get to him. But you don't give your front four a chance with that. You don't. You don't. Don't tell me that you do. And this fan base needs to hold these guys accountable. I thought Rodney McLeod had spurts of goodness but was was bad a good amount. And listen, and we'll we'll talk about the Pro Bowl later, but all you people with this Jalen Mills stuff, the guy is not doing what he should be doing. And don't give me – all right, I got an argument on Twitter this week – don't give me he was a seventh-round pick. I don't care what round you're picked in once you become a starter in the NFL. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant now. This isn't his first year. And he wants to go around wagging his finger and be cocky. That's fine. But you damn well better back it up on the field. He's not a pro bowler. I'm just saying he got the alternate. I, I, don't, I don't look at him and say that's a pro bowler. And then on the other side, now listen. Ronald Darby is still coming off of a pretty nasty injury. Okay? Still coming off of a pretty nasty injury. And he did make the play that really turned the game around to give the Eagles a victory, to give the Eagles the first round bye, give them the chance to clinch home field advantage with a win Monday night or a uh, Vikings loss tonight as, I'm, as this is being recorded on Saturday. But... He's got to be better. He has to be better. He wants to be a number one corner. We were we were told he could be that number one corner. You got to be better. The defense as a whole, my hope is, has come together this week and said, that mm, will not happen again. So we'll see. We'll see. And we'll talk about Monday night's game later on in the program. But there's a lot of other things that that took place with the Eagles this week. Off the field good, some not so good, some a little indifferent, but stuff I want to bring up that we're going to talk about. But before I do that, I want to put this out there for everyone. Okay. We are growing steadily here at The the Madness, brought to you by TSJSports.com. Big thanks to those guys. And, and they are putting all their resources into helping this show continue to grow. I'm trying to make it grow in any way that I can. But really, one of the best things we can get is word of mouth from you guys out there that are listening on a, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, excuse me, uh, and like what you hear to let people know that it's time for them to embrace the madness. But there, there's a new way that they can get caught up. 
Maybe they're like, ah, well, I want to hear more of what he has to say. All right, if you start going to this web address, podcasts, with an S on the end, dot thesportsjunkies101.com. Now, it's podcasts dot T-H-A-S-P-O-R-T-S junkies101.com. It will direct you to a page that will automatically play the most recent episode, but it will also have all the other ones listed. So you can click in. We're going to start doing things where we single out bits and pieces from interviews that we do uh, to give people a taste of what that's like. We are growing the fan base. Uh, You know that the Twitter mark that I'm looking for by the end of January, which is rapidly approaching, and we are not there. (laughs) We, We are not there. Since we started this, we've grown 60, 70 followers maybe. We want to get higher. Okay. Need, we need the help. We need the help. The, the, I love coming to you. I love talking with people. I love bantering on Twitter. It's been a lot of fun. And it's time to take this thing to the next level. So get the word out there. Embrace the man. This podcasts.thesportsjunkies101.com. Make sure you're tweeting us at TSJ Madness. Uh, something we're to start here in the next week or so is a little TSJ Madness mailbag where you know, you're going to tweet us with the hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag, and we'll answer some of the questions on the air. We'll do a segment every week answering some of the questions that have been asking me on Twitter throughout the course of the week. And it could be about anything. You know, like this thing, obviously the Eagles have dominated talk. There's no doubt about that. But we're going to talk about the Sixers tonight. We're, we're going to talk about um, the rest of the NFL today. Hell, if you want to get off sports, you want to talk about music. You want to talk about pop culture. Let's go. Let's go for it. Let's let's do everything. The show was called The Madness, not only because I have a tendency to be mad and angry at things, but because we want to make it crazy. We want to make it fun. We want to have a good time with this. So from now on, start tweeting us at TSJ Madness and use the hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. And we'll, we'll talk about the questions and the things that pop up on there on air the, the following week. So taking it back to the Eagles. Pro Bowl rosters announced. Six guys make the team. Wentz. What was it? Uh, Lane Johnson. Brooks. On defense, you got Fletch. Brandon. No, Brandon got snubbed. That's that's one of the snubs that we've talked about. Um, why am I drawing a blank right now? What the hell is going on? This, see, this is what happens. when. Listen, I, I've said this to you guys before. When you're t- <laughs> this time of the year is insane for me, absolutely insane. I'm I, I coach basketball. We just finished this, the uh, you know the Christmas. We're on Christmas break for school, but all that kind of stuff uh, you know lends to make you busy, drive you crazy. You your mind. Oh, and by the way, I have two year old twins, so uh, I have excuses. So leave me the hell alone that I can't think of this stuff right off the top of my head, and we're gonna have to look it up. But uh, regardless, you know, people constantly want to talk about Pro Bowl snubs and, and, and all that stuff. This is one of the reasons why I hate the Pro Bowl. Because, yeah, every year people are snubbed. Every year people are snubbed. The problem is, who the hell cares? And I know, you know, you saw to me, oh, well, people get paid for this, so it matters. I ain't getting paid. 
Who's paying me a damn dollar if a guy makes a team or not? Now, are there guys that I look at and say, yes, they should be on the team? Yeah. I look at Brandon Graham. I look at um, probably Jason Kelsey. But I'm not sitting here like, oh, man, how dare you do it? First of all, as Malcolm Jenkins said, who was one of the other Pro Bowl picks, if I'm correct, um, we don't want to play in the Pro Bowl. We want to be playing in the Super Bowl the following week. So I'm looking at I'm looking at a list here. First of all, by the way, bad reporting here. You can't have a headline six Eagles players headline 2018 Pro Bowl, and then not name the six Eagles players in the headline. That's just ridiculous. You, you're being stupid at that point. Well, I don't know. It's a good honor. I mean, it's a good honor. You knew Wentz was going to make the team as as he should have. You knew. Um. You knew Fletcher Cox was going to be there. Zach Ertz. Damn it, Zach Ertz. Okay. So Brooks, Cox, Ertz, Jenkins, Johnson, Wentz. And, you know, the people that they talk about are the snubs. The, you know, you've heard Jalen Mills is a snub. I, I, th- that is ludicrous to me. That is ludicrous. Mills has been a nice player this year. He's not a pro bowler. I mean, you, you want to make an argument for Brandon Graham? Fine. You want to make an argument... For Jason Kelsey, fine, because he's had a hell of a year coming back off of last year. Who else do you make an argument for on this team? Jernigan was good for a while, but he's fallen off. Jalen Mills is not a pro baller. I mean, I guess the uh you know the the special teamer Gruger Hill. But, who do, you know, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? I, I'm curious as a fan base of the NFL, as an NFL fan, why we care so much about that. Why do we care? I understand why the players care if it costs them money. Why do we care? To me, the Pro Bowl needs to be eliminated anyway. They should just do an all-pro team. The game is stupid. It is the worst television in the world. All the all-star stuff is anymore. And I know people say, well, baseball's not there. I don't care because I I have an issue with baseball's all-star game. Just from the standpoint that that's what decides home field advantage for the World Series. That, to me, is ridiculous. I don't like it the least bit. So before we move on to the next thing, once again, I want to thank TSJ Sports for giving us the opportunity to do this show, hoping to have Lee Nelson, but obviously with the holidays, things are crazy. It doesn't always work out the way you want it to do, but hopefully Lee will be able to join us at some point here. We were hoping maybe even get him in the studio today, but worse comes to worse, maybe we can get him on the phone for a little bit just to talk about a few of these things. Maybe he can be a little bit more positive than I've been because I am not positive at all right now. I am pretty damn negative right now. I'm just pissed off. Pissed off. You got the Eagles doing what they're doing. The Sixers who we'll get to towards the end of the show. You know, the team I coach loses by 35 points on on uh Thursday night at home, by the way. Something we don't we don't ever do. Um so damn it, I don't care if it's high school basketball. That pissed me off too. So I'm negative, man. I don't want to be negative at Christmas. I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna be sitting here, all of us enjoying 
you know, a couple beverages together and, uh, you know, some Christmas cookies. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Christmas holiday. And right now I, I feel like Scrooge these days for my students were calling me the last few days. I feel like Scrooge all started with a fateful night in friggin' Los Angeles. I've just been damn well downhill from there. So let's talk a little bit about one of the defensive players who found himself in the limelight due to shocking social media. And it's I'm, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world when it comes to social media because I rip it and I rip the use of it so much even though I'm on it constantly. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite when it comes to social media. I'm not a professional athlete, though. I'm not a major politician. I'm a 33-year-old guy hosting a podcast, teaching high school English. So, you know, to me, social media is something that we use to kind of get our opinions out there. And not everybody uses it right. Most people use it wrong. Most people are a-holes about it. So I understand when someone who is famous or in the limelight for being a professional at whatever it is that they do gets a little offended, gets a little angry and frustrated with the idiots that are out there who rip them. But I feel like there's a certain way to handle it. I feel like there is the right way to do things like we learned when we were little and the wrong way to do things. Ronald Darby did not handle it the right way. So if you missed the story this week, after the Giants game, shockingly, Uh, a lot of fans took to social media and tagged Ronald Darby and ripped Ronald Darby and told him he should be benched and told him he shouldn't be playing. He should pull himself out of the game, pick it up. And Darby was not very happy with it, which nobody is. No one wants to hear that kind of stuff. But he then tweeted out a response. I just don't know when these guys are going to learn not to tweet it out. I mean, he's he he's since apologized for it, but it, it it's already out there. You know, he said he was frustrated with himself. He knows he's got to play better and all that stuff now. But basically, he comes out. Um, I, all the tweets are now deleted, but I'm trying to find the exact words. Okay, so here it is. So Ronald Darby tweets out after all these people come after him. He's got, uh, I guess, 46,000 plus Twitter followers. It's a lot more than the thousand I'm asking for. Let's get it friggin' together. But regardless, he tweets out, for the halfway fans that sit around and wait for mistakes to talk trash, we'll be getting, we'll, we'll be getting blocked starting today. We nothing but human. Let's break that one down. I, I want to break these tweets down. I agree with you that there are numerous people out there who are just waiting to talk trash and use the computer screen and the 280 characters as a buffer so they never have to do it to your face because they're weak, um, weak-minded. They're very, you know, it's, it, it's a cop-out. It's a cowardly act. No doubt about it. 
And the people that say you should be benched, you suck, you're this, okay. Be mad at them. But that wasn't the only people he was directing that first tweet to angrily. It was anyone who had any critique, any criticism of him was being called a halfway fan. Now listen, I'm not here to rip on Buffalo. I'm not here to rip on the Bills fans or the Bills Mafia because they are, without a doubt, much... Look, damn it. (laughs) Just go type in Bills Mafia to Google and watch their fans and tell me they're not more insane than Philly or anybody else. Okay, that's the first thing. However, I'm pretty sure Buffalo and New York is a little bit more laid back when it comes to ripping players than it is here in Philly. Philadelphia fans are not halfway fans. Are some idiots? Does some act like an ass? Yes. They do. No doubt about it. But they're not halfway. They care. And most of the time when they're criticizing, most of, not all, most of the time, it's warranted. It was warranted to criticize the defense and Ronald Darby on Sunday. That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. So I hate when, and and you know what pisses me off even more is when the members of the fan base who hold themselves to a higher regard than the idiots then just start ripping the fan base. That is, to me, a disgrace to your fan base. For better or for worse, we have idiots who think they know more than they do and use Twitter as grounds for putting it out there. But I continue and will always stress this, that a majority of the fan base is well-informed and well-educated about the sports that we watch and love and the teams that we watch and love. When I hear people tell me or say that 90% of the fan base is idiots, you're the idiot. You're the moron. You're the guy who, or girl or whoever you are that doesn't get it. Don't give me that crap. It, it, it's, it's so overdone. It's so overplayed. You're trying to talk out of both sides of your mouth. You cannot be a part of the fan base and say, oh, the whole fan base sucks. Just like with every fan base, there is a faction of morons. And it pisses me off to no end when anyone rips the fan base as a whole, but when people that are in it try and act like they're above it. Nine times out of ten, you're the one who has no clue. So that that mm, that needs to stop. <laughs> that needs to stop. But the players got to stop this crap. You're professional athletes now. Yes, we nothing but human. You are human, but you're not. You're not nothing but. You are a professional athlete. You are a famous person. You are out in the public way more than I am. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's got to be tough to be that guy. But guys are going to criticize you. Criticize. What the hell am I saying? Guys are going to criticize you. Fans are going to criticize you. Some warranted, some not warranted. Why can't you just ignore it, dude? Just leave it alone. Or say, hey, thanks for watching. 
there is no reason for that tweet. And he knows it now. And I don't hate Ronald Darby. I'm not angry with Ronald Darby. I put the tweet up there this week. I'm not saying that the people who tweeted him weren't wrong. They were dead wrong. No, he shouldn't be benched. No, he shouldn't. He doesn't suck. He made a huge play for the team. He fought back from an injury to be here. I love Ronald Darby. I really do. But there was no reason. There's no justification for any tweet. And then he follows it up. Oh, much love to the loyal ones, though. We, me, will continue to work. Dude, the fans in this town are loyal. Whether they're idiots or not, they are there. Especially Eagles fans. You want to take shots at at some of us that claim to be Sixers fans and Phillies fans because we're not showing up. That's fine. I have my own thought process on that. But damn it, I've been I was in the vet as a young kid when that team was going three and thirteen and every damn game was sold out. I've been in the link during bad seasons when Mike friggin' McMahon is quarterbacking them on a Monday night against the Packers. Sixty thousand people there. You got to watch your words. If you are going to send this tweet out, if you do feel very strongly that you want to get a point across, don't ever say to the loyal ones suggesting that there are fans that aren't loyal. I'm sorry. And I'm sure there's people in the fan base, but this fan base is beyond loyal. This team hasn't won a championship since 1960. It's like two generations of people who have never seen a championship from their football team in a town that is really a football town. And they show up every damn year. You know, I think it was this year where the slogan on the website, every fall we rise. And it's the truth. Every fall we do rise. We're there every fall. Are we all devastated at Carson Wentz's injury? Yeah, but has anyone dropped off? How many Eagles fans have you heard from as because they hate the protests or dropping out? That stadium's been full all year. So people could tell me, oh, I did this, I did that. That stadium's been full all year. I'm in there every damn week. I'll be in there Monday night on Christmas, and I bet your ass that stadium will be full. And then this one. This, this is the petty one to me. I, I, I get annoyed by this. And I know I've been called an apologist for the media for so long. I have been. And maybe it's because I have the background. Maybe it's because I've interned at a newspaper. Maybe it's because I've seen the behind the scenes of the media to a very little degree, but I've seen it. And then he just decided to tweet out, that includes media too. Nothing to talk about. No, that's their friggin' job, dude. Their friggin' job is to write about the stories. The story after Sunday was how pathetic the defense played, and they found different ways to talk about it. One was the poor play by you. I mean, you got to get a thicker skin. If you're a professional athlete, number one, but if you're in this city, you got to have a thick skin. The most beloved guys in the world had a thick skin in this town. Nothing bothered Brian Dawkins. Late in his career, he was criticized. He can't do it anymore. They got to, you know, Jim Johnson's got to put him deep in the box. He can't cover anymore. You never heard him snap at the media. Andy Reid was criticized for 15 years, and he's still criticized. 
Was it warranted? Yeah. Did it ever change him? Did he ever go after the fan base for criticizing him? No. No. Not one damn time do I remember Andy Reid going after the fan base. It was always, I love this fan base. They're fully invested. I respect the hell out of that. So it needs to be figured out. Now, maybe he learned, and now maybe the PR staff has, has taught him, all right, look, this is, this is not the way you're going to handle this. It's not the right way. You know, and, and hey, maybe he'll, he'll learn from his mistake. I'm, I'm sure he will. Like I said, I have no qualms. I have no issue with Ronald Darby. I love Ronald Darby. I want him to be here. I want him to be our number one corner. I do. I, I envision him and Sidney Jones in the years to come being our, our corner tandem that is shutting people down. But that just can't happen. Just can't happen. Just can't happen. You blame the media for talking about you. You put yourself out there with those tweets to be talked about. So that's my take on that. Now, before we get to the Raiders and the NF and the rest of the NFL, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Monday's game, talk about what we need to see, talk about what we're hoping for. And we'll talk about the rest of the NFL and, and, and the slate that's out there. You know, the Green Bay and Minnesota play tonight This uh, as, as we are recording this on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. You know, can Green Bay win the game? I mean, I know that it's in Lambeau, but, you know, freaking Brett Huntley. Freaking Brent Huntley. I, there's no way. I, I can't imagine it. I really can't imagine it. You are listening to The Madness with Rob Landry here, brought to you by TSJSports.com. Blog Talk Radio. When you go to that podcast.thesportsjunkies101.com, it's going to take you to Blog Talk Radio. That is who gives us our our forum. We we use Blog Talk Radio. It's one of the best ones out there. It'll it'll send you to our Blog Talk page. It'll, it'll have the most recent version of the show auto played for you, and then there will be a list of all the other ones. You can go back, listen to some of your favorite parts, listen to some of your favorite interviews. We're going to start trying to get the interviews out there to you. Uh, little snippets of them, you know, maybe the best parts of the interviews as well. Let's keep building, fellas and ladies and children and senior citizens. I don't care who the hell's listening. Oh, yeah. Let's build this thing. Let people know. Tweet me at TSJ Madness. Listen to the show. Coming up, little Eagles Raiders talk, little rest of the NFL. And then we're going to have to get into the Sixers a little bit too. Be back in a minute. You want to know the secret to victory? Failed to make the varsity team. Start your career as a walk-on. Go three and thirteen your rookie season. Lead the league in interceptions. Take a perfect team and blow a perfect season. Spent 108 years as a lovable loser. Serena denied a shot in history by an unsealed opponent. Be on the wrong side of the biggest upset in your sport really want to know the secret to victory. And heartbreak for Matt Ryan, who is in utter disbelief. Defeat. Come on, one more. Make defeat your fuel. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I led you to believe it was easy when it wasn't. Maybe I made you think my highlights started at the free throw line and not in the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was a game winner 
that my game was built on flash and not fire. Maybe it's my fault that you didn't see that failure gave me strength, that my pain was my motivation. Maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for every single day of my life. Maybe I destroyed the game. Or maybe you're just making excuses. That's right, Philly. I might be negative right now. I'm not even going to try and play that. But we're still standing. We're still here. The Eagles are still one game away from not traveling again this season. Having the NFC have to come through Philly. So because of that, this song is very fitting right now. Because here it is. Yeah, the Sixers aren't good right now. (laughs) But we're still standing. We're still here. Never wavering. Welcome back to the madness. Let's dive into Christmas night's game. First of all, I love a game on Christmas night. I love the whole idea of it. And, And the fact that it's in Philly, it's a night game. It's just, it's got this feel to it. And the fact that it has meaning. You know, because unless the Green Bay pulls the upset tonight, it, it, it has meaning. It's going to mean, hey, if you want to win the NFC, you got to do it in Philadelphia. And I know there's no Carson Wentz. It's a tough out to come in here and win. It's a tough out to come in here and win. And I'm, I'm, I'm filled up with this excited juice of hopefully, hopefully, let's keep praying. That NFC Championship back in Philadelphia for the first time since the 0405 season. Because if you remember when the Eagles were in 08, it was out in Arizona. But just that feel of the long day tailgate. You know, you get here at eight, nine o'clock in the morning into the parking lot. It's cold. You see your breath. You're eating, you're you're thinking, you're you're game planning with everybody that you're with. And then, man, you get into that stadium. It, it's rocking. You know, I know that the link is not the vet. There's, there's no comparison to the noise level and the, the atmosphere and all that. But the link can rock. I've heard it on quite a few occasions, and one of them was back in 2004. It's 20 years old. Maybe I was 21 by then. <laughs> I don't even remember. But that place rocked. There was a game earlier that season. Or a couple years later, they played the Ravens there. And they won the game late on a pick. And that place was loud. You know, I have heard it get to unbelievable volumes. And don't get me wrong, the divisional game that we know the Eagles are going to have there will be loud as well. But, man, the, the thought of an NFC championship in Philly... The thought that your team has a chance to win the whole damn thing 
on their field in front of you and hold up that conference championship trophy. It's exciting. We haven't seen it in a while. But a lot of things got to go right. A lot of things got to go right. First and foremost, the defense has to right the ship here. They have to understand how important they are to the rest of this season. And I don't think that they, that they didn't know that. I just think there was a, a, a bad game plan followed up by, I think, do think that to a certain extent they thought they could just show up. I don't buy the third game of a road trip argument because you had two games out in L.A. Now, this one, you were home all week. You traveled up by bus. I don't know. Maybe I, Look, I never played. I've never been in that situation. Maybe the fact that you're not playing in front of your home fans three straight games is challenging. I mean, look what happened to Minnesota when, for them. Third game, they went to Carolina. They fell behind a lot, came back, and still ended up losing the game. So I want to see, as I said at the beginning of the program, this defense lay one on somebody. You know, as a coach, I've, I, I've always used it. When I knew we were playing someone inferior to us or, or who didn't have the talent that we had or coming off of a bad performance the game before, my pregame speech was always the same. We need to lay one on somebody. Offense, defense, and for them, special teams, we need to lay one on somebody. I can get a little vulgar, and I would always say, you can't let them breathe. you got to put your foot on their throat and press down hard. You can't give them an inch. And I want to see the Eagles come out, especially in the defensive side, and do that. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, I know Oakland doesn't have anything to play for. I think they were officially eliminated with the loss of Dallas. I know that they're traveling across the country. It's Christmas Day. They're away from their families. They have kids. They are human beings. But they have talent on that offense. They have talent on that defense. But if Amari Cooper plays, he still is a talented guy, whether or not he's had a great season. Michael Crabtree is coming into his own. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Marshawn Lynch can still be a beast of a human being. You better come ready to play because that team has nothing to lose. They're coming here. They got to be here. And maybe it plays into your favor. Maybe they don't care as much. But I, I don't think that's the way Jack Del Rio coaches over there. So I'd expect everything. I'd expect fake punts. I'd expect flea flickers. I'd expect them to come all out at you. So you better be prepared for a dogfight from the defensive side of the ball. On offense, and listen, I know Wisniewski's questionable again, and I, I hope the hell he plays. Khalil Mack is a freaking animal. He's an animal. Now, I thought they did a good job, that offensive line, of protecting against the Giants. I thought they did a fine job to, to give Nick Foles a pocket to make the right plays and not have to force anything. But, damn it, if you don't protect this week, Nick Foles is going to be 
meeting Khalil Mack a lot, and you don't want them to have too many meeting meeting points. Because he ain't going to miss, and he's going to hurt, too. I think the Eagles need to really try and establish a run game again. And I think I'm just going to keep saying it until they do it and hope that it works out. But they got to establish a run game. And, and you got to let Ajayi go now. You got to let him go. You got to let him go, Doug. Let Ajayi loose. Let him loose. So there are a couple things. Now, more specific with the offense, I want to see some sustained drives. Now, they had some good ones against the Giants, but I want to see that Foles can do that three or four times in a game and hopefully get 20 to 24 points out of that. You know? I feel like if the Eagles can score between 24 and 30 points a game, they're they're going to win a lot of them. I won't say all of them because I get nervous about this defense facing a methodical Minnesota or a a strike-fast New Orleans or a mobile quarterback in Russell or Cam. But if you can score between 24 and 30, you put yourself in a position to win the game, and that's what I want to see. I want to see 24 to 30 points from the Eagles this week. I want to see the defense keep Raiders, the Raiders, under 17. Jim Johnson's number was always 17. You've heard those guys talk about that for years. 17 or below. We keep our teams, our opponents, to 17 points or below. We're going to have a good chance to win the football game. We're going to know we left everything on the field. There's four games of the Super Bowl right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Dallas game may not matter depending on what happens tonight or Monday night. But I want to see that mentality every single night out there. Do I think the Eagles win this week? Yes, I do. Do I think they win pretty easily? Yes, I do. Because as much as the the whole idea, oh, the Raiders don't have much to play for, now they're playing spoiler, now they're doing this. As much as all that is real, it's also real what I just said a few minutes ago. That these are human beings who have families and they're not going to be with them on Christmas and they're going to be all the way across the coast on the East Coast for a Monday night game in in a brutal environment. And I think if the Eagles can get up early, they're just going to say, screw this. Very similar to a couple years ago when Jason Peters said, I'm going to put myself out there for what? I think you're going to end up getting that type of mentality from some of these guys. So, you know, I think it's an easy win. I, I, I look at it. 27 14, 27 10. Something around those lines. That's the way I look at it. It's an interesting weekend, isn't it? Because obviously we have the Eagles that are going to end the weekend at all on Monday night. They're the last game, last Monday night game of the year. Four home field advantage. If they win, you know, they probably rest their players next week against Dallas. But not just that, it's, it, Christmas being on a Monday is freaking throwing me to hell off. But like if you look at the NFL, you know, you could have two games a day. I forget what the early game is today. 
Um, trying to look at the schedules now. So you got the you got Indiana, Indianapolis, and Baltimore, and Minnesota, Green Bay today. Then you get your full slate on Christmas Eve. You get Tampa and Carolina, you know, in in a game that means something for Carolina. Uh, Detroit, who now apparently has the easiest road uh, to make the final wild card spot, gets Cincinnati in Cincinnati. You know, who is now playing the last couple games under Marvin Lewis? Do they give you a better effort than they did against Minnesota? Um, you know, and then they get Chicago, Detroit gets Chicago again, so they could very well have two wins there. You know, you look Kansas City now as a team that could be on the you know the big win against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers last week, so they still probably hold their own fate there. And we're going to talk playoff picture here in a minute. Buffalo, New England, probably a big game. Atlanta, New Orleans. You know, these are they're, they're one o'clock games we're talking about. Then, then you get a game in the four, at four twenty-five that I'm going to be all locked in on wherever the hell I'm at. Uh, family's house for Christmas Eve and Seattle, Dallas. This is this game is really interesting. Seattle has to travel to Dallas, and we know that that team does not travel very well. Dallas gets Zeke back, going to be him, and they got him at home. Emotional, emotional game. And the loser's out, and the winner still has a chance. Loser's out, winner still has a chance. This is, I'm going to throw up when I say this. I am. I'm going to throw up because I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to, you got to give Dallas credit. <laughs> they, you know, withstood the, the challenge of not having Zeke for six weeks. They sit at eight and six. You thought when the Eagles went in there and demoralized them, it was over. And now they got a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, they need a lot of things to happen. Need a lot of things to happen. I mean, you look, but they got a chance. And I've never, now it's one of those things where, all right, Seattle beat the Eagles, but I don't mind Seattle in the playoffs, especially if they have to come to Philadelphia. And I just don't want to see Dallas in the playoffs. I just want Seattle to go in there and just beat the hell out of them. I just want them to go in there and beat the hell out of them. I don't even want it to be close. But some exciting games, and then you're going to get two on Monday. You're going to get the Chargers. Um, I think you get the Chargers and Jets on Monday early in the day. And then you get, the obviously, the Eagles and Raiders to, to finish it up. So looking at the playoff scenarios, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, so what do we know? Well, we know that the Eagles have clinched at least the first round by. We know that a playoff berth and a division have been clinched by the Minnesota Vikings. And we know that everything else is wide the hell open. Vikings still technically, technically the Vikings could still end up as a, as a three seed, I believe. Maybe, yeah, I think they could end up as a three seed, possibly a four seed. So right now, if the, if the season ended today, it would be the Eagles the one, Vikings two, Rams three, Saints four, Panthers five, Falcons six. But sitting on the outside is the eight and six Lions, the eight and six Seahawks, the eight and six Cowboys. All literally right behind the nine and five Falcons. All right, and here we go. So there's two weeks left, seven spots, twelve teams realistically speaking. Let's let's try and find the NFC. First of all, the NFC South is incredible right now because you have the Falcons in New Orleans this week, second time in three weeks that we know that the Atlanta Falcons 
beat the Saints last game with Kamara going out early. Panthers have to go play the, the Buccaneers. Okay, so here's how it is. The Saints can clinch a playoff berth if they beat the Falcons, and they seal the NFC South if Carolina loses. Carolina clinches a, sp- a playoff spot as if they win. If the Falcons beat the Saints, they clinch a playoff spot. So any team that wins, it's winning you're in. However, if the Falcons defeat the Saints, the Saints can't win the division, and whoever wins in Week 17 between the Panthers and Falcons wins the division. I mean, how awesome is that? That's what the NFL was looking for when they started playing these division games late in the year for them to really, really matter. That that right there is is outrageous. Okay, Teams that will be eliminated with a loss from any playoff contention this week, Chargers, Lions, Seahawks, Cowboys, Dolphins, Raiders. The Raiders are actually still playing for something. Now, I thought that, yeah, that's where ESPN, they said that they were eliminated if they lost. But I guess they still have a chance. They still have a chance. All right, so let's talk about the bottom. We talked that the, the Oakland can, can get in the playoffs. So here's the bottom. Detroit's 8-6. and six. This is what they would need. They need to win out against the Bengals and the Packers. And they need the Falcons to lose out versus the Saints and Panthers. Possible. If the Lions win out and the Falcons manage to win one or both of their games, then it's a little tighter because then they need the Saints or the Panthers to lose out and either the Seahawks or the Cowboys to lose out or the Seahawks or the Cowboys to win out. That's interesting. (laughs) I'm not really sure how that helps them, but okay. Seattle. Here's how the NFC West title is unlikely, but they would need to win out. The Panthers would lose out. Saints would lose out. Or... They went out, the Lions lose at least once, Panthers, Saints, or Falcons lose out. Neither is too difficult, but winning two more games looks like it will be tough. For the hobbled Seahawks, that's coming from SBNation.com. Here's the Dallas situation. Not only does Dallas need to win their last two, but they need the Panthers to lose both games to the Bucks and the Falcons, and they need the Saints to lose both games to the Falcons and the Bucks. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> probably not going to happen. Or... They need to win out, need the Lions to lose once, and have the Paints, Saints, or Falcons lose out. It's going to be tough for them, too. I'm sitting here worrying about that game, thinking, man, maybe they have a shot. I, looking at these scenarios, they, that, Dallas will be done. Dallas will be done, regardless. I think regardless. I think it happens. Um, you know, It all rides, I guess, on the Lions, because if the Panthers beat the Bucks, well, okay. But if the Lions lose to the Bengals, then they have a shot, I guess. So how do I see the NFC playing out? I look at it this way. The way you see it right now is the way I see it playing out. I see almost exactly the way it's set up. You're going to have the three-seeded Rams playing the six-seeded Falcons, four-seeded Saints playing the five-seeded Panthers. You know, I think the Saints will probably end up winning that division and the other two teams with the wild card, which, by the way, my predictions have been atrocious. But I did say that there was a chance you could see both wild cards come out of the NFC South way back in August. Maybe not in this way, but I did say it. I did say, watch out. I think the Saints are going to be a better team this year. In the AFC, I don't know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's the Patriots. It's the Steelers. One of those two teams will represent them in the Super Bowl. We're going to end our NFL talk now. I think we, we, we've, we've talked enough to NFL. I cannot end this episode i cannot end this program without yeah play the music i mean it's happy this music's happy the team's not happy right now i'm not happy with the team right now it's almost back to unwatchable basketball 
But it's been a few weeks since we talked to Sixers. Last time we talked to Sixers, we we were talking with Devon Givens. We talked with Ala Abdanabi. And things were going well. Right, everything looked good. It was good times. And just as that music fades out is how that good feeling has faded out for Philadelphia fans. The hell is going on with that team? And I'm here to tell you. First of all, as much as I complimented our fan base just a few short minutes ago, I'm going to rip our fan base for a minute. Or at least the Sixers fan base. Or at least people who say they know basketball and have no idea. If you, for one minute, think that this is all on Brett Brown, you are a jackass. Can Brett Brown be criticized for some things? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know I'm a self-proclaimed Brett Brown apologist. He has zero talent outside of two guys, three guys, one that hasn't been on the court in the last few games, Actually, both two of them haven't been on the court the last few games. And another guy who just doesn't shoot. Come on. Come on. How is this on him? Look at the team that he is out there. We know Simmons. We know Embiid. We know Embiid's not playing. Amir Johnson. Robert Covington. Jared Bayless. Timothy Lawawu Cabarro. Although he's starting to come on now, Dario Sarge. You know what I just named? Outside of Ben Simmons, and I guess TJ McConnell, even though I didn't name him. A bunch of guys who cannot create off the damn dribble. They have no offensive rhythm. So what they do is they get these guys that jack threes. Guys that shouldn't jack threes. But they have no choice. So yeah, they get to these big leads and they lose it late because they have no one that can attack that can pick, bring the shot clock down. Ben Simmons needs to shoot a goddamn jump shot. There's nothing, there is nothing that coaching can do with that. This isn't high school basketball where it's all about fundamentals to teach them how to take somebody off the dribble. They are who they are now, ladies and gentlemen. They are who they are, these players. And as much as I sat here a few weeks ago and said, hey, you know, I'm going to eat crow. Or, you know, I was wrong about Robert Covington. Nope, I was right. I was right. I was right. I don't care. He's an average NBA player. Nice player. He's average. He got his money. He hasn't been able to shoot the damn ball. And his defense hasn't been great. And for people to say, oh, he's going through a rough patch. That's what he always does because he's an inconsistent shooter. He is not a great player. And he's got that Andre Iguodala problem. He thinks he is. He thinks he's a great player. He's not. I'm done with this argument. He's not a great player. And where Sarge has done things that have looked good, he looks like a bumbling idiot sometimes when he tries to dribble to the basket, just throws a shot up and airballs it. Jared Bayless is Jared Bayless. He stinks. He stinks. He stinks. I understand that everyone goes, oh, well, the late game situations are on the coach. To an extent. That's one of the criticisms of Brett. He needs to get better there. But everyone seems to forget he still hasn't coached his full team yet. Still hasn't. Still hasn't. And I know everybody wants to label Markel Fultz a bust and they should have drafted Tatum and uh, they got fleeced. And, uh, maybe we should let the kid play a little bit before we make that decision. I don't know. It's just a novel idea I'm throwing out there. 
Or just let the kid play. Because you know how I'm talking about they don't have a, a secondary scorer who can take the man off the dribble, who can score from all points on the floor. That's who Markel Fultz is. That's what he does. That's why they traded up to make sure they got him. That's why they drafted him. You know, I heard Bob Cooney on the radio, who was a very well-respected basketball man in this town. Covered the Sixers for years before going to the Fanatic. Said he was out in the summer like he watched him, and he knew right then that he was a great fit for this team. And he did everything that they needed a guy to do. He hasn't played, guys. He hasn't played. Can Brett get a full team on the floor? Joel Embiid hasn't played in four games now after playing 50 minutes. It's just, it's easy. That's the easy thing to do is to blame the coach. It's the biggest issue I have with fans sometimes. And I've fallen victim to it. I've blamed Doug Peterson. Once again, a hypocritical moment for me, I guess, because I've fallen victim to it. But this is not on Brett Brown. It's on the fact that the team is still not that talented. And when your best player doesn't shoot the ball, the book's got to get out on him. He has to start shooting. I don't care if he shoots 15 jump shots next game and misses 14 of them. I don't. I just want to see it happen. I just want to see it happen. He's got to put it into his game. And then he's got to be able to be a better foul shooter so he's not afraid to get fouled, so he's throwing up some nonsense shot at the basket. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Not because I thought this team was a a title contender, not for any other reason than I want to see better basketball from the players. You know, people sat there. I I was at a party with people the other night when the Sixers lost to the Thunder in triple overtime. And towards the end of the second overtime, Sixers called a timeout. Brett Brown drew up a play to throw it in from half court. Well, the refs screwed up. They botched it. They botched it totally. The NBA has come out and said they botched it. They didn't let the Eagles move. The Eagles, Jesus. I got to get the hell out of this. I got to go to bed. (laughs) I got to go to bed. Um, The Sixers, they did not allow the Sixers to move up to half court. They made them throw it in from almost full court. And I'm sitting there with these guys. They're like, this idiot. What kind of play call was that? Well, you dope. The kind of play call was the one that he tried to draw a play from half court. It's not going to work from full court. The rest screwed it up. They screwed it up. And everyone harps on the negative of that game rather than saying they took the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that is considered one of the better teams in the Western Conference, to three friggin' overtimes. They came back from 10 down with five minutes to go. That, I think, is where I get the most frustrated is, let's give Brett all the criticism things go bad, but when they were 11-5 and and they were winning games and doing all these good things, Brett gets no credit. It's all about, oh, it's this guy and that guy. Come on, guys. You got to be fair. You got to be fair. You got to be fair. As much as I've blasted Doug Peterson, I've been fair. I've said he's done a lot of great things. I said he's a Coach of the Year candidate. It's, it's, It's totally unjustified to try and say he's on the hot seat. And now there's an article that he's on the hot seat. And if he is, shame on Brian Colangelo, who should be shamed for a lot of things. You know, I tried to defend that guy for a while, and then the Jaleel Okafor situation happened and pissed me off. And if he fires Brett Brown, that's going to piss me off. I'm not not even going to mix words. That's going to piss me off. You haven't given this guy a fair shot yet with a full team. Hasn't happened yet. 
So it's not pretty right now. I can't watch it, I don't think, unless Embiid's in the lineup because it's just the ball sticks. It just becomes a three-point shooting contest, and they don't hit him. And I know people are down on J.J. right now. J.J.'s not supposed to dominate the ball this much, but he has to because of the group of guys that he's out there with. So, you know, it's not going to get better right now. But with that said, what are they, 14 and 16? I mean, Jesus Christ, this season's so damn long. This season's so damn long. Let's settle down. I'm pissed off, too. I'm really annoyed because they're making, like, stupid mistakes, and what it is is guys trying to do things that they can't do. If I see Robert Covington catch a ball one more time in, in the fast break with a man on him and just pull up and shoot, I'm going to lose my damn mind. His shot selection is horrific. It is horrific. I'm telling you, he reminds me, and this is, once again, not saying he's a bad player because this guy that I'm going to compare him to ended up being a great player in a better situation, and that's Andre Godala. But he is Andre Godala as a sixer where he thought he was better than he is. Just be who you are. Just do what you do. Do what is asked of you. You got a wide open three, shoot it. Go ahead. Be our best perimeter defensive player. They have a case of mistaken identity on this team right now. And Ben Simmons needs to figure out his identity because taking six shots in a game when Joel Embiid is down the floor is horrific. 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 Cannot happen. Cannot happen. So they need to figure it out. And that's where I think Brett has to come in and make sure that this thing gets figured out before it spirals too far out of control. I really am hoping that Embiid is playing on Christmas at Madison Square Garden. I would love to see them going because now I saw this stupid article. Maybe I'm not paying attention. Is Michael Beasley an MVP candidate? I know the fans were chanting, but did someone say, oh, you know what it was? It was that moron Jim Rome said something. They're not far off when they chant that. Shut the hell up. There's no way. There, how? I know he had a great game the other night, and he's probably been playing well. He's not an MVP candidate. Stop it. Stop. So I don't know. It's negative town right now in Philadelphia. Shocker, right? And as I said to you, I've said to you before, Shocker that those who know me, I'm negative right now. I am very negative right now. I don't like that I'm negative. And I'm hoping when I meet you next week, I'm not negative anymore. The Philadelphia fans deserve more positivity, more sustained positivity. And we're just not getting it. My hope is that when I come back here next week, We're talking about an Eagles dominating victory to get them home field advantage. A Sixers turnaround and Embiid playing. Ben shooting jumpers. Should be interesting. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank TSJSports.com giving me this opportunity. Podcast.TheSportsJunkies101.com We'll bring you to our partners over there, Block Talk Radio. You'll be able to listen to this show and any other show that we have done, anything you liked, anything you didn't like, anything you missed. They will all be listed there for you. Let's enjoy the holidays. <laughs> it's kind of a <laughs> it's gonna be a tough situation. You got the Sixers, you got the Eagles playing. It could be a great Christmas. 
could be an okay Christmas. It could be a terrible Christmas when it comes to the Philadelphia sports world. But regardless of how this week goes, I will be here next week to talk you through it. Negative, positive, indifferent. Embrace the madness, everybody. Have a wonderful Christmas. Talk to you next week.